to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Red Light Report. And we are going to continue chugging along, or more or less pick up where we left off last week with the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. For those who are joining for the first time or didn't listen to last week's episode, what we're doing with several solo sodes is we're covering some important information in a book that I've developed, an ebook that I've developed over the past several years. It's a culmination of a lot of books that I've read, research articles, and videos and otherwise and symposiums and other conferences I've attended, I've picked up some great information. So it's all distilled into this ebook that's on the BioLite website, and it's included with all purchases of a BioLite device, but you can also just purchase the ebook by itself. And it's currently in its third version, or its third edition, and I'm updating it to the fourth edition. So I'm going to add more information, add more protocols, and update the current information and protocols that are already on there. And just as a quick review, last week we covered the first portion of the ebook that was about important concepts. So we covered red light versus near infrared light. We covered information on the mitochondria, the biphasic dose response, hormesis, and dosing. And dosing essentially outlines how I've created these protocols that are all based on the most current, up-to-date, and strongest research. And so for the next couple of podcasts, the next you know two, two or three solosodes, we're going to go through the various conditions that I have protocols for. And so with each section, it'll be broken into two parts that we'll cover for the podcast. The first part's going to be some global information about how red light therapy can help a particular condition. And then the subsequent section will be clips or excerpts from relevant research to that condition so that you guys can get a more clear understanding of what the research is saying about particular conditions. And so some of these excerpts will just be highlighted from highlighted comments or parts from the discussion or just conclusions from from those respective articles that I feel are the most impactful for a person to know as it relates to a certain condition in red light therapy. And it'll become more clear kind of as we get on a roll here. And so the first health condition or section we're going to cover is anxiety and depression. So this is a big one, of course, dealing with mental health. And something that hasn't been added to this ebook that I'll add to the next edition is, is the study that BioLite did last summer that showed a simple 10-minute full-body red light therapy session increased your parasympathetic drive or your heart rate variability by 122% just with a single treatment. So even if you're not targeting the brain specifically, getting your entire body exposed to the red and near infrared light seems to have a stress-reducing effect, not just a stress-reducing effect, a significant stress-reducing effect in a simple 10-minute session. Let's move on to the ebook here. I go on to say that neural tissue is very rich in mitochondria, which contains cytochrome C oxidase, or CCO. It so happens that CCO can readily absorb light in the red and near-infrared light spectrum 
and it is by this mechanism that red light therapy plays such a vital role in overall mitochondrial health and efficiency. Since the brain is so dense with mitochondria, it has enormous potential to achieve therapeutic benefits via red light therapy. And there are several accredited theories as to the pathophysiology of depression and anxiety. And so here's a list here that we'll go into. Uh, the first one is neurotransmitter imbalance, or what is known as the monoamine deficiency hypothesis. And this proposes that depression results as a consequence of an imbalance and deficiency in serotonin, dopamine, and noradrenaline in the central nervous system. And there's also an imbalance of GABA, or G-A-B-A, leading to over or under activation and atrophy of neurons. Another accredited theory to the pathophysiology of depression and anxiety, decreased cerebral blood flow. So low levels of nitric oxide leads to decreased oxygen and metabolic needs to different areas of the brain, especially the frontal lobe. And so this one alone is a big reason why red light therapy works, because if anxiety and depression can be related to decreased blood flow, especially to the frontal lobe, where we make executive decisions and a lot of our thought processes go on, then simply by increasing the blood flow, we're going to get more oxygen and nutrients in and garbage out. And red light therapy, as we all know, is extremely beneficial at improving blood flow. So another theory for depression and anxiety is decreased energy. So reduced glucose levels and that in combination with potentially mitochondrial dysfunction would lead to that decreased energy. So again, if we can kind of spark the electron transport chain in the mitochondria, produce more energy, that can counter this decreased energy we see with anxiety and depression. Another one is oxidative stress. So if you have an overproduction of free radicals, i.e. dysfunctional mitochondria, or you also have an antioxidant deficiency. And based on other research, we know that red light therapy can help improve your antioxidant capacity. So it's very anti-inflammatory and antioxidant producing. So that would counter that oxidative stress we see with anxiety and depression. Then we have neuroinflammation. Of course, anytime we see issues wrong with the, with the nervous system, there's likely a component of neuroinflammation. And this is increased cytokine levels released by macrophages that could be accompanied by depression. So just like we spoke about a moment ago with seeing decreased blood flow and how red light therapy is so beneficial for improving blood flow and nitric oxide production, we also know that red light therapy is extremely beneficial as an anti-inflammatory which wreaks havoc on so many different levels. The nervous system is no different. So with neuroinflammation, that can be a, a large component when it comes to mental stress, anxiety, and depression. And the last one here is impaired neurogenesis, which is the ability to regenerate and or grow nerves or neurons. You have reduced growth factors such as nerve growth factor and brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So this is another way that red light therapy can potentially help because if you have more energy via the mitochondria, then you're going to have a larger ability to grow and repair nerves. It's going to increase your nerve growth factor and your BDNF or your brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways that red light therapy can help with mental health. And when we look at transcranial photobiomodulation or transcranial red light therapy, which is red light therapy through the skull, 
We see increases in regional blood flow in the brain in depressed individuals while also augmenting cerebral energy metabolism in healthy people. It is the increased energy levels in the brain coupled with enhanced blood flow that potentially contributes to recovery in mood disorders. And I wouldn't even say potentially. Those are definitely two of the biggest ways that we see enhanced mental health is the increased energy levels and enhanced blood flow. And I would also throw in decreased inflammation or decreased neuroinflammation. Several studies have shown that depression is associated with abnormalities of frontal activation reflected in abnormalities in frontal regional cerebral blood flow. We know that red light therapy induces an increased release of nitric oxide which is a vasodilator, into the bloodstream that would help improve circulation to areas irradiated by red and near-infrared light. In this instance, of course, it would have to be near-infrared light to, to penetrate the skin and the skull to get to the brain. Red light only treats the skin, so it must be near-infrared light. This has also been demonstrated in other research, such as in the hands of patients with Arenos phenomenon in skin flaps, in healthy skin, and many others. Near-infrared light can induce short bursts of reactive oxygen species, leading to the activation of antioxidant mechanisms, resulting in reduction of oxidative stress. Anti-inflammatory effects have also been demonstrated with near-infrared light. Red light therapy also stimulates neurogenesis and protects against cell death. Animal research has shown that near-infrared light improves neurogenesis and synaptogenesis via increase of brain-derived neurotrophic factor. The transcranial photobiomodulation technique is a promising approach for the treatment of a wide range of neuropsychiatric disorders, including disorders characterized by poor regulation of emotion, such as major depressive disorder. The transcranial photobiomodulation technique directs light typically near-infrared, like I just spoke about, to the brain through the skull. Near-infrared is utilized because it penetrates deeper compared to red light. Currently, there are a wide range of transcranial photobiomodulation clinical trials, including those targeting major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, dementia, traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So now, that's the end of the section on the general information regarding how red light therapy can help anxiety, depression, and stress. So let's move on to the research. So the first article that I have highlighted here, let's see, this one's from 2019. And the takeaway is that near-infrared transcranial photobiomodulation reversed the anxiety and depression status caused by chronic stress that was probably linked to increased serotonin and decreased nitric oxide levels in both the prefrontal cortex and hippocampal areas. Moving on to the next piece of research, and this one's from 2014. It goes on to say that using transcranial LED therapy a significant decrease in PTSD scores and depression levels have been reported after one week of treatment, while result of two months post-treatment did not show an overall lineal trend response. So the point being, people saw a very accelerated response to the transcranial red light therapy treatment, but two months post, there seemed to be 
a plateau for whatever reason. And I don't know what the exact protocol was or, or how they were using it, frequency or whatnot, but needless to say, people saw a reaction quickly and then it plateaued after a couple of months. The next article, this one's from 2009. It says, the first study in major depressive disorder patients showed a single session of LED therapy alleviated depression and anxiety symptoms at two weeks post-irradiation. So even two weeks post-irradiation, they still saw improvements. At the end of four weeks, six out of 10 patients experienced a remission in their depression and seven out of 10 patients experienced remission of their anxiety. So I'll say that again. At the end of one month, 60% of the patients had remission of their depression. 70% of the patients had remission of their anxiety. Pretty darn impressive for one month of treatments using light. And the last article we'll cover here, this one is from 2019. And it's worth noting that Dr. Michael Hamblin is a part of this one. And for those not familiar, Dr. Michael Hamblin is considered the top photobiomodulation researcher in the world. He's out of Harvard. And this goes on to say that the proposed illumination strategies inform the design of transcranial photobiomodulation systems likely to improve brain emotion regulation, both in clinical research and practice. That is basically saying that the use case for transcranial red light therapy based on the research and based on certain designs or configurations for the brain, like a helmet of sorts, is likely going to improve brain emotion regulation and thus help with anxiety, stress, and depression. Moving on to our next section. And this one is athletic performance or exercise performance. So for the athletes or just exercise enthusiasts out there. So red and near-infrared light therapy and exercise have a synergistic relationship, amplifying the benefits of one another. As you will read, or as I will read, red light therapy is a must-have in your arsenal for improving your overall exercise capacity and accelerating your recovery time. Scientific research has demonstrated how red light therapy actually amplifies the benefits of exercise by augmenting muscle gain and fat loss. Not only that, red light therapy can improve muscular performance by enhancing muscular repair. So the first two paragraphs there is basically saying you're going to increase your, and we'll cover this in bullet points, but you'll increase your exercise capacity and accelerate your recovery. But let's read on here. Research also provides evidence that red light therapy is exceptionally effective at preventing muscular fatigue, enhancing muscular strength and endurance, increasing fat loss response to exercise, increasing muscular growth response to exercise, and it promotes faster recovery from exercise. So when, when you use red light therapy effectively, you're going to accrue a bunch of benefits as it relates to exercise and exercise recovery. So all of this is possible because red light therapy is exceptional at improving the overall health of your mitochondria, which has massive implications from producing energy to overall health, such as staving off all diseases and cancers. Your muscles are packed with mitochondria because muscles are energy-intensive tissues. Thus, by red light therapy improving the efficiency and effectiveness of your mitochondria, it improves the overall capacity of your muscular strength 
endurance, and recovery. The current research literature has verified that red light therapy has two very important overall effects on sports performance or exercise performance. One, prevention of muscle damage post-exercise, including delayed onset muscle soreness, which is affectionately known as DOMS, D-O-M-S. Number two, it enhances muscular performance, i.e. increased muscle torque, power, or work. It enhances the workload capacity of your muscles, fatigue resistance, and functional or sport activity and exercise recovery. When it comes to using red light therapy with athletic performance, the timing of when you administer your treatment is of the utmost importance. That is because the research has consistently shown that irradiating your body with red and or near-infrared light is the most effective when done drumroll please, prior to exercise. That's important. There has been plenty of research comparing the timing of red light therapy as it relates to exercise. Before, during exercise, and or after exercise. And as I've already told you, the most effective timing of red light therapy for exercise is prior to exercise and only prior to exercise. And that's because when it comes to exercise, we have two types of damage that occur. The first one is called primary damage. And this is related to the muscle damage that results from the exercise-induced mechanical stress. And then there's secondary damage. And this is due to the inflammatory response that is subsequent to the mechanical stresses that you impose during exercise. And so research has demonstrated that preconditioning with red light therapy protects the muscle from both primary and secondary damage, whereas red light therapy utilized after exercise and thus after the muscle damage or the mechanical stress protects the cells from secondary damage only. So if you want to protect your body or your, your muscles, both primary and secondary damage, you want to do red light therapy prior to exercise. You'll notice the biggest difference in the soreness because that's where the, the mechanical stress comes in is from that primary damage. And so if you want to kind of mitigate the DOMS or the delayed onset muscle soreness, you definitely want to do red light therapy prior to exercise. Speaking of which, here's the next section in, in the ebook. This is where the concept and technique of preconditioning comes into play. Preconditioning is simply a technique of conditioning or influencing a person or animal by exposing them to stimuli or information prior to the relevant behavioral situation. In this case, you're conditioning your body with a light prior to a relatively stressful event of exercise to achieve augmented exercise and athletic capacity. So 30 to 45 minutes prior to exercise seems to be optimal. It is also worth noting that the most positive results in the research were observed with an energy dose range from 20 to 60 joules for smaller muscle groups or 60 to 300 joules for larger muscular groups. So smaller, I would think arms, larger, I would think legs and glutes and back muscles. 
Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the whitest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. And as my devout favorite podcast listeners in the world, I'm giving you guys an exclusive 20% discount on the Guardian Plus for the month of April only. So go ahead and use coupon code Blue Light Podcast to get 20% off your Guardian Plus. That's through the month of April in 2022. <laughs> you can get 20% off. Go ahead and use coupon code Blue Light Podcast to whiten your teeth and improve the health of your oral microbiome. So looking at the research here on athletic performance for red light therapy, and there's a lot, but I've picked three here to highlight for the ebook. The first one, uh, this one's from 2016. It says, research using both laser and LED therapy compared to placebo and sham on exercise capacity and muscle performance found an average improvement of 3.51 reps for the biceps or quads a four-second delay in time to exhaustion, so it took longer to get exhausted, and increased peak strength and a significant reduction in lactic acid production, which would lead to that DOMS or that soreness afterwards. So the research used both laser and LED. Again, laser is a more concentrated form, can heat the tissue, higher potential to damage or, or cause harm. Whereas LED therapy is what you're seeing on the market with these different panels and gadgets. So anyway, this research used both laser and LED, and they found that you could improve the amount of reps. It took longer to get exhausted, I should say. You had a higher peak strength and less lactic acid production. So again, a lot of benefits in one fell swoop of preconditioning with red light therapy. The next piece of research, this one's from 2016. It says... The group that received the light therapy for 30 seconds before exercise had significantly lower levels of creatine kinase and lactate dehydrogenase, both markers of muscle damage, suggesting that the light therapy decreased the level of muscle damage. So I know I just said that optimal timing is 30 to 45 minutes, but again, this piece of research, they did the red light therapy 30 seconds prior to the exercise. So just before they were doing their exercise and they saw a dramatic decrease in markers of muscle damage. So pretty darn cool. You don't have to do it 30 to 45 minutes apparently. You can do it right before and you're still going to get some really cool results or benefits. And then the last piece of research here, uh, this one's from 2010. This one goes on to say, Another study compared red and near-infrared light therapy with LEDs to water immersion, i.e. ice baths, as a recovery method post-exercise, and found that red and near-infrared light therapy improved muscular recovery better than ice baths. 
they go on to say, this research suggests that LED therapy or LED red light therapy has better potential than five minutes of cold water immersion therapy for improving short-term post-exercise recovery. And that's a really, really interesting piece of information or, or research because uh, cold water baths or cold water immersion therapy is kind of all the rage and all the hype right now. And rightfully so, there's a lot of great benefits. And, and one of the main touted benefits is recovery from exercise. But this piece of research from over a decade ago is showing that actually if you use red and near-infrared light correctly, you're going to have improved muscular recovery superior to the five minutes of ice baths. So just some food for thought there, basically saying that if you have access to both, it makes more sense to go with the red light therapy versus the cold water immersion. But of course, and, and I've talked about this in prior podcast episodes, there's many, many health benefits to cold water immersion outside of post-exercise recovery. So this piece of research is just highlighting that red light therapy seems to be superior as it relates to exercise recovery. Moving on to the next section here, let's look at brain and nerve health. So the brain, along with the heart and muscle, are the tissues with the greatest mitochondrial density. Mitochondria, which are extremely important for our health, longevity, and energy production, respond exceptionally well to red and near-infrared light. Thus, the brain and overall cognitive function, i.e. Alzheimer's disease, has a great capacity to heal with red light therapy. It is believed that impaired cerebral vascular perfusion is one of the first manifestations of most brain disorders. Red light therapy can increase the neuronal nitric oxide content, thus vasodilate, increase the vessel diameter, and improve cerebral blood flow. Therefore, it could be considered that red light therapy of specific areas of the brain potentially affects regional cerebral blood flow. As I discussed in the uh, anxiety and depression section, neuroinflammation is one of the crucial pathophysiological findings in brain disorders, which is chiefly mediated by activated microglial cells. And microglial cells remove damaged neurons and infections and are important for maintaining the health of the central nervous system. Red light therapy reduces pro-inflammatory cytokines via inhibition of various signaling pathways resulting in attenuation of inflammatory reactions. Evidence supports the idea that the anti-inflammatory effects of brain red light therapy may at least partly be due to its ability to modulate microglial activity and a subsequent decrease in inflammatory mediators. A wide range of neurological and psychological disorders affects various cerebral structures. Recent clinical brain red light therapy studies have been focused on conditions such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, traumatic brain injury, and ischemic stroke, as well as major depressive disorders. Looking into each one of those aforementioned conditions, with Alzheimer's disease, you've seen significant improvements in sleep quality, mood states, EEG patterns, as well as improved cognitive function, including memory and attention, have been obtained as a consequence of near-infrared red light therapy. For Parkinson's, 
In the only study with Parkinson's disease patients, improved motor and cognitive functions have been reported following two weeks post-transcranial red light therapy. For traumatic brain injury, or TBI, you see that with transcranial using red and near-infrared light, you have improved self-awareness, self-regulation and social functioning, and improved sleep quality. When it comes to stroke, an effort has been made in occasional studies to show neuroprotective or neuroperative effects of red light therapy in chronic stroke patients via transcranial and multiple area irradiation methods. With depression, as we've spoken about already, major depressive disorder patients showed that a single session of LED therapy alleviated depression and anxiety symptoms two weeks post-irradiation. A study also revealed that transcranial laser therapy delivered to the right forehead was more effective for alleviation of depression symptoms than photobiomodulation to the left forehead, and this observation may suggest a brain area-dependent effect of red light therapy in major depressive patients. So again, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, you may want to try to target your right forehead or your right frontal lobe, as there may be an enhanced effect there compared to doing just the left frontal lobe. So that was the brain. Now let's look at the nerves. Like the brain, the nerves benefit from enhanced mitochondrial function that helps improve energy production. This increased energy leads to accelerated regeneration of injured peripheral nerves along with improved axonal number and distance of nerve axon regrowth. This is largely due to the stimulatory effect of red light therapy on various neuronal growth factors such as brain-derived neurotrophic factor, neuronal growth factor, and glial cell-derived neurotrophic factor. And moving on to the research, there's a decent amount of articles or uh, pieces of research that I've cited here. Uh, The first one, this one's from 2011. It goes on to say, transcranial laser therapy showed an increase in ATP levels, or energy levels, mitochondrial function, and CFOS, suggesting an overall improvement in neurological function. These studies suggest that Transcranial laser therapy is a potential candidate for treatment of Alzheimer's disease. The next article here is from 2015. It goes on to say that this treatment, using near-infrared light, also significantly reduced dopaminergic neuronal loss in the injected substantia nigra and preserved dopaminergic fibers in the ipsilateral striatum. That's a lot of tongue twisters right there. (laughs) Um, These beneficial effects were sustained for at least six weeks after discontinuing the treatment. Together, our data point to photobiomodulation as a possible therapeutic strategy for treatment of Parkinson's disease and other related synucleonopathies. And the next one here is an article from... Does not say. It goes on to say, transcranial... Low-level laser therapy, or LLLT, has been shown to significantly improve outcome in acute human stroke patients when applied approximately 18 hours after stroke occurs over the entire surface of the head, regardless of the stroke location. So a couple take-home points there. The low-level laser therapy was applied very shortly after the stroke, less than 24 hours, and they applied it to the entire head, not just a specific location. 
So kind of interesting. Uh, the next piece of research from 2008, and I can see it now that previous article is from 2007, the one I just spoke about with the stroke, 2007. This one's from 2008. It says, these results suggest that low-level laser therapy could be applied in cases of general cognitive impairment in elderly persons. So the common theme as we progress through life is that our memory and our cognitive capacity declines as we age. This is showing that red light therapy can be applied in cases of general cognitive impairment in elderly persons. So the way I think of that is you can use red light therapy as a prophylactic measure to mitigate, prevent, and potentially reverse general cognitive impairment as you age. So if you have a panel or a device you can use specifically for your brain, there seems to be some pretty cool uh, health and longevity benefits. The next article, this one's from 1988. This goes on to show that the researchers demonstrated that LLLT applied simultaneously to the injured sciatic nerve and the corresponding segment of the spinal cord accelerates the process of regeneration of the injured peripheral nerve. So they're saying both to the sciatic, that big thick nerve that goes down your buttocks, if you apply red light therapy both to that area of the nerve and then to this corresponding area in your lower back and your lumbar spine where those nerve roots come out, if you target those two places at the same time, you do see an accelerated regeneration of that peripheral nerve. Even back over 34 years ago, they were researching this kind of stuff and seeing cool results with, with the nerves. In 2009, the last article here, these researchers go on to say, light therapy significantly improves the average length of axonal regrowth and increased the total axon number. These results suggest that light may be a promising therapy for human spinal cord injury. So those last two are especially interesting because we've talked about the brain so long. We know the brain has so much potential to respond well to red light therapy. But these last two are pointing specifically to nerves and the potential for red light therapy to help accelerate the growth of nerves. And if anyone's dealt with a nerve injury or spinal cord injury, you know how slowly the nerves regrow. I mean, millimeters can take a month or months. Whereas with red light therapy the regrowth of those axons or the regrowth of those neurons seem to be accelerated. And that makes sense because it takes energy to grow. And the nerves are very mitochondrial dense. Thus, if you can get light to those mitochondria and the nerves, they're going to have more energy to help grow and heal. Thus, the nerves are going to grow quicker. So it all makes sense. It's just cool to see that the research is there to prove it. And for the last section on today's solo sode, we will cover bone and joint health. And so LLLT, or low-level laser therapy again, has been used in a wide range of musculoskeletal disorders such as cervical spondylosis, epicondylitis, low back pain, and recently on knee osteoarthritis. And so when we look at the information on bones, we have breaks, fractures, and even bone sprains, which are a fairly common injury in everyday life and even more frequently seen in athletes. Proper and effective healing is of utmost importance and it is also the rate-limiting factor for returning to your normal life. 
meaning the faster you can heal and heal effectively, the quicker you can return to your favorite activities. Bone tissues have an enormous regenerating capacity, and most of the time it is able to restore its normal architecture and mechanical properties. However, there are limits for this capacity, and complete recovery may not occur if there is deficient blood supply, mechanical instability, or competition with rapidly growing tissues. Red and near-infrared light is able to facilitate improved healing and formation of bone by amplifying energy production of bone cells, increasing bone growth factors, improving blood flow to the healing area, uh, reducing inflammation, and reducing inflammation without disrupting the healing process, and also promoting augmented collagen production and deposition. When we look at joints, Osteoarthritis, or OA, is a very common joint disease in the elderly and is associated with significant physical disability. Although non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, are widely used to treat the pain and stiffness associated with OA, the high incidence of serious upper gastrointestinal side effect with NSAIDs can limit their use. Red and near-infrared light possesses three unique properties that lends itself perfectly to assist in reducing OA pain without the use of NSAIDs. Anti-inflammatory, analgesic, and reparative. Those are the unique properties. Again, I'll repeat, anti-inflammatory, analgesic, or pain relief, and reparative. When combined with exercise, these powerful properties of red and near-infrared light promote a higher level of healing and pain relief when compared to exercise alone. So in conclusion, when we look at bone and joints, by reducing inflammation and normalizing blood circulation to an area, good things happen. In this case, less pain in the joint and enhanced healing in the bone. It is worth noting that the current research on red light therapy and OA shows that adding red light therapy to exercise training magnifies the anti-inflammatory effects of red light therapy and its analgesic effects. Also, a systematic review and meta-analysis looking at rotator cuff tendinopathy concluded that adding red light therapy to an exercise-based treatment program may accelerate improvement of physical function possibly by keeping the inflammation under control or stimulating tendon repair, with the end result being reduced pain and more rapid movement. Moving on to some research on the bone and joint side of things for photobiomodulation, uh, we have four pieces here. The first one is from 2017. It goes on to say, a positive effect of low-level laser therapy energy on bone regeneration with a certain relationship between dose and output power was found. LLLT stimulates cellular metabolism, increasing protein synthesis and subsequent bone regeneration. The next one from 2006. The results of our studies and others indicate that bone irradiated mostly with infrared wavelengths shows increased osteoblastic proliferation. And osteoblastic are like young, young bone cells, young building bone cells. So infrared wavelengths show increased osteoblastic proliferation, collagen deposition, and bone neoformation when compared to non-irradiated bone. And neoformation would be new formation. So you have increased bone neoformation when compared to non-irradiated bone. The next piece of research from 2012, 
they go on to say, obtaining pain relief from LLLT might be a good alternative to the use of NSAIDs for pain relief from OA, particularly for elderly people because laser therapy has no reported side effects. So that's a massive, massive statement they're making there. Basically saying red light therapy is superior to NSAIDs for OA because there's no negative side effects with light compared to the uh, gastrointestinal negative consequences of taking NSAIDs, especially if you were to take them on an empty stomach. But moving on to the last piece here, and this one's from 2016. They say, our findings suggest that analgesia induced by LLLT in addition to supervised exercise program resulted in more improvements in pain, physical function of older adults with OA. So basically just confirming what we've talked about, that red light therapy was able to reduce pain and when complemented with an exercise program was able to further reduce pain and improve physical function in older adults with OA. For today, guys, that's going to conclude the sections we'll cover. We just covered four health conditions. In review, today we covered anxiety and depression, athletic and exercise performance, brain and nerve health, and bone and joint health. And that's about maybe a quarter of the health conditions we're going to cover. So with that being said, for further episodes, there will be about, I would guess about three, maybe four more solo sodes where I'm going to cover different health conditions in the same manner where we'll talk about how red light therapy can help the condition and then cover the research for that condition. And keep in mind with this ebook, after each section of research, that is where the protocol is. That's where I leave the protocol. So it tells you which lights to use, red and or near infrared, the frequency of which you should do the treatment, meaning how many times per week, and then the duration of each treatment, how many minutes should each treatment be, and lastly, the distance you should be away from your device. So that's what each protocol looks like, and there's at least one protocol after each section, as you can imagine. For example, if we look at athletic performance, I have a protocol for general athletic performance, I have one for running for submaximal maximal efforts. And then there's a protocol for competitive cycling. So even under the athletic performance section, there's actually three different protocols. And so now you can see what I mean when I'm alluding to the fact that I'm continually updating and adding more protocols, maybe just additional protocols under a same health condition, let alone a, an entirely new uh, health condition itself, if that makes sense. Next week, we will cover, and this is just a rough estimate. Since we did four today, I'll rough estimate four more conditions for next solo sode. They would be eye health, fat loss, hair loss or hair health, and heart health. And I know that heart health is a smaller section, so I'm also going to add herpes, which was a new section to this third edition. So eye health, fat loss, hair health, heart health, and herpes will be the next solo sode. But I hope you found this interesting, guys, useful, beneficial. I hope I'm not throwing too much information to you at once. I can imagine it's a lot to listen to at once, but hopefully if there's a section or a health condition you're particularly interested in, you do find the information useful, relevant, and applicable, especially if you're using red light therapy yourself. And as always, guys, I would genuinely wholeheartedly appreciate it if you guys would leave a quick five-star review either on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify, which allows you to leave reviews. And from what I can tell, they only allow you to leave reviews if it's on a phone or a tablet, not on your computer. So Spotify is 
now allowed you to leave reviews for podcasts. So again, guys, if you would leave a quick five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, that'd be greatly appreciated. That way, more people can get exposed to the podcast. More people can learn about the many wonderful benefits of red light therapy, just like you have learned. And so I would greatly appreciate it. And as we all know, sharing is caring. But again, guys, I'm going to sign off here. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and week or weekend. And as always, light up your health and be well. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.